But in this time together, what I really want to do is I just kind of want to kind of recap, but what I want you to notice is that we've focused really the pronoun that we have focused on is you, me, you are known, you are loved, you are filled. But I want to transition it now to he as a different pronoun is able. And there's a, there's a very <clears throat> intentional reason why I want to do that. Because a lot of us, man or woman, but women in this room, it is very easy to fall prey to the lie that it is up to me to get everything done, to figure it all out, to be strong enough, to be able enough to just do this thing called life, Christian life and everything involved. And I want to just shift that a little bit for you in this last few minutes we have together. And really, I want to alleviate the pressure. That's what I believe God wants to do. He wants to lift off the expectation that, frankly, we have put on ourselves to be able. And he wants us to realize in our inability... He is able. Shift our perspective, Lord, to that truth. So we've looked at identity markers, right? We are known, we are loved, we are filled. This is who our identity really is. We are known by a living God. We are loved, cherished by a living God. We are filled up with a living God. So no matter what Instagram says or Facebook or culture, our identity marker is solid. It is defined. It is clear. We are these things because he says so. Not because we believe it even, not because we feel it, not because we don't always understand it, but because he said it. He said, I know you intimately. I know you by name. I love you fully and I have filled you entirely. But now what he has also said in his word is that he is able to do it all. Y'all have heard this phrase, as have high, right? This is not in the Bible, by the way, but God won't give you more than you can handle. Have y'all heard this? Well, guess what? He absolutely will. You know why? Because in our inability... It's in our insufficiency that he is on display, that his ability is front and center. That is not a Bible verse. And this is also not a Bible verse, that God helps those who help themselves. Y'all heard that? Well, you know what? You just, need to, you just need to help yourself a little bit. God will help you along the way. That is not a Bible verse. God helps those and we're going to even shift that a little bit, who know they are helpless. And I, I want to shift it even deeper for us because I want to make a statement that's going to sound really crazy at first. <clears throat> we do not need God's help. That is the last thing we need. 
Because you know what that statement really is? Who's in the driver's seat? Who's the subject of the sentence? Me. I'm driving, you're a passenger, and you are a powerful one, and every now and then I can throw a Hail Mary and get some assistance. I can pray when I'm sick, or I can need that A on that test, or, you know, I, I need your help, Lord. And it's innocent, and it, it's, it's targeted to really be, I guess, truthful from that person's heart. But the last thing we need is help. We do not need God's assistance. We need his presence, okay? We need his ability to do in and through us everything that is required. And that's what he promises to do for you. To the woman who has an identity that is certain, that an identity that is a deep root system defined by I am known, I am loved, I am full, I am no longer empty. God, I want to live a life that puts you on display, that shows off you are able. Not me. Y'all, I know y'all think that I can communicate really good, okay? Let me tell you something. I will never forget when I was first asked to speak, okay, to share, all right? I was 16 in high school, and it was the farthest thing from my mind. I did not in any way want a future in this, nor did I want to do it that day. They asked me to share my testimony or talk in front of chapel, and I'm like, what? I don't want to do that. That is the farthest thing from my mind. I can't do that. And I'll never forget my sweet Bible teacher, Mr. McMillan. And he looked at me and he said, Sarah, that's the very reason why you will. Because it is God in you that will be on display because you know you can't. Just the moment you think you can is when he will sit you down. I've lived it. Just the moment in which, you know what, I mean, I got this thing. Like, this, this is good. I'm in my lane. Like, I can do this for your glory, of course. He's going, you know what, sideline. Just, just take a seat. Because what God desires and what we see here in that last kind of verse, 20 and 21 of, of Ephesians 3, is he wants glory. His own. No rival, no equal, just like that song said. And let me tell you, sometimes the greatest glory thief is us thinking we can. Maybe even going a little farther and thinking, God expects me to. I am supposed to be strong. I am supposed to do this. I, I am supposed to be able. I, you know, and God's going, it's the opposite. In your deficit, he is sufficient. Turn with me, 2 Corinthians, same author as Ephesians. Y'all know this verse if you've grown any up around church, 2 Corinthians. I have all these post-it notes, and of course, I didn't put one in there. So hold on, 2 Corinthians, here we go. There's, there's multiple, but 2 Corinthians, verse 12. Listen to what Paul said here. Now, the interesting thing about this 
this context, when you read the scripture, you, you can't just take a verse out of context. You've really got to understand it. And I don't have time to give you the entire context here. But what he's really describing is this, this thorn in his flesh. Okay, We don't fully know exactly what that was, but Paul had some sort of potentially physically debilitating issue that God never took away. And I'm apt to think it was maybe vision-related because of his transformation encounter in Acts 9 with Jesus when he was blinded and then received true sight. But right here, Paul says something in 2 Corinthians verse 12. And he says this, starting in verse 7, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there's, there's self-ability, there's independence, there it all is. There was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, wow, to buffet me. And he, he repeats himself, to keep me from exalting myself. Oh man, y'all, we live in a culture where everybody applauds what you do. You, you, gotta, you, you have to figure it all out and do it all out and you get applauded for it in our culture. And what the scripture does is it flips it upside down and says, you know what? Exalt and boast in your weakness, in your inability, in I can't. I don't know how. I don't even want to. And God goes, perfect. That is right where I want you to be because that is where my glory will be displayed. I don't want to rival you, Sarah. Now, yes, God has gifted us each differently. He's bestowed upon us personalities and talents and, and deliverance abilities and different things, but none of those should ever be what we place our trust in as our ability. It's always been about God and his ability. So keep reading. Verse 8, Paul gets really vulnerable here. And he said, concerning this, concerning this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, I entreated, I asked the Lord three times to take it away. I don't want this thing. God didn't, and in verse 9, here's God's answer, answer to that request. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power, that's a strong word, we're going to define that here in a second, for power is perfected in weakness. God will go to whatever length. Not only will he move heaven and earth, he'll empty heaven and come to earth to show you just how unable you are and how able he is. Do not put kind of the pressure and the expectation on yourself whether you are a believer and a follower of Jesus or whether you're not, that life is all up to you. That is not in here, and if anything, the opposite is in the, is in the Bible. 
that you were never supposed to know. There's this quote by this man that said, Major Ian Thomas, he said, I never could, and God never said I should, but he always said he would. We get into this thought that I can do it with God's help. I can do this. I'm supposed to do this. Whatever this is, fill it in. Be a good Christian. Be a good person. Be a mom. Be a wife. Carry all the responsibilities. Serve in ministry. It's up to me, right? God, this is all for your glory. And he's going, you know what gives me the most glory? Is when my power takes precedent and and shines out in your weakness. Celebrate your inability. Don't praise your ability. That is countercultural. Same author, Philippians. Flip over to Philippians. General, well, General Electric Power Company. Have y'all heard that? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. General Electric Power Company. So Philippians is right before Ephesians. Is how I always remember it. Philippians, chapter 4. Still author of Paul. Hello, he wrote 60%. So he's, he's a lot in here. Philippians, chapter 4. This is another one that we know, right? Okay? Listen to what he says. Starting in verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Verse 11, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. Now he's using that word how. That, that word how is an able word. So right now, if you don't know the context, it's kind of like, okay, Paul's figured this thing out. He can do it. But he hasn't given us the secret. He's telling us, I figured out how to do it. I haven't told you yet how, but I have figured out. Let me tell you how in verse 14. Right? He keeps going. He said, I know how to live. I know how. I have learned the secret of being filled and of going hungry, of both having abundance and suffering need. Here it is. Here's the secret to his how to do it all. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. One of my favorite looking, you know, things to study in the scripture is prepositions. In, for, by, through. Y'all probably remember this in like fourth grade. Grammar. Prepositions are so important because right there, he could have said something very different. He could have said, here's the secret, I can do all things for him. He did not. He said, I can do all things through, which in the margin of my Bible, that preposition is also really translated in. The abiding, that is where we get our ability. It's not ours to begin with. We abide in the all-sufficient, all-able one who then lives life through us. Galatians 2.20, same author. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, 
That's day to day. That's changing diapers, doing dinner. That is right now here on earth. The life I now live by flesh, I live in the faith in the Son of God. He is my how. He is able. I was never supposed to be. And if I think I am, it's really unbiblical. It becomes a rival. And he has no rival, and he will have no equal. We are not to live independently. Was it Beyonce, Miss Independent? Okay. We're not to live independently, but we are to live in dependence. Yes? It's the same word. Just break it apart into two. Our culture, and maybe even our Christian culture, applauds us when we live very much, 95% of the time, in our strength, with God's assistance and God's help, right? The Bible goes, nope, I don't want 95% of you. I want 100% of you. And when you come to the end of all the things that you think you're supposed to be able to know and do and all this strength you're supposed to have, welcome to the Christian life because that is when you will experience not only his fullness of you, his ability through you, and it'll blow your mind because he will do things in and through you that are not humanly possible, that are not what you can do in your own strength. I think about Moses, right, in Exodus. Remember Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 30, 32, somewhere in there, he, he has this encounter with God in the bush, miraculously not burning up. And basically there, God is saying, you're the one that I've chosen to lead out the people. Y'all realize Moses could, had a stuttering problem. He could not physically speak well much less to captivate the attention over over a million people. And he's going, you've got the wrong person. I am not eloquent. I, I, I can't talk. He actually had murdered somebody in his past, okay? I mean, you got the wrong person here. God's going, no, I didn't. No, I am the one who sends you. And Moses looks at the Lord and he goes, but how are they going to know? How, why would they listen to me? And it's so beautiful, so simple. God goes, because the I am sent you. You know, one of the names of God that he revealed to Moses, the I am, y'all fill in the blank. He is it. I am your talking ability. Sarah, I am your ability to communicate, Moses. I am sent you, meaning I will be and do everything that is required. It is not on you. And that is why I've actually picked you. Think about David for a second. David was the youngest of, of brothers, right? He was little. Remember David and Goliath? Who was out on the, on the, the, the what do you call it, front lines? It was his brother's. They were supposed to be able to know what to do. David wasn't supposed to know what to do. Well, guess who killed Goliath? Not the brothers. David. He was the least. He was the smallest. This is who God uses because he longs to display his ability, not ours. 
This is an entire upside-down perspective shift. And I remember my dad telling me once this, this prayer tool, I'll say, that just changed everything. He said, if at all possible, remove the word help from every time you pray. Now, you may not pray a lot if you remove help from them. Because a lot of our prayers start with help me. I'm going to challenge you to take the word help out of your prayers. And I'm going to challenge you to put in verbs where God is the subject of the sentence. Enable, create, do it, Lord. Fulfill, empower be able in and through me. Y'all, this is what God is longing to hear from his children. Oh, I died to give you more than just my assistance, to give you my presence, to give you my entire fullness, and to do more than you can ask or even imagine. That's the kind of ability he has. And when the emphasis is switched, man, we... We, we skew that and we think it's all on me and I got to pull myself up and I got to work hard and I got to please the Lord and I got to be all things to all people. Yeah? But only through Him. Yes, children need to get raised. Yes, dinner needs to happen. Yes, husbands are in that relationship with us. But listen, it is coming from the outflow, the, the filling up that God has done prior. You see, a woman that knows she's known, she's loved, and she's full, all those things already can go, wow, God, none of this is on my shoulders. You are my ability. And when I am weak and unable and tired and weary, oh God, that is when you shine the most. Because your ability on display is what you are going to get glory from, not mine. So turn to our passage, Ephesians 3. And we're going to read this again together in its entirety, and then we'll, I'll give you a definition here. <clears throat> For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every name in heaven and on earth derives its name from whom every family in heaven and earth derives his name, that he would grant you the gift according to the riches of his glory has nothing to do with what you have, to be strengthened with power through his spirit. There it is. The strength comes from where? His spirit. It's a through and in. And then he even defines it further through power, with power through, the, through, the, through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. There's that abiding, there's that home word, that renovation word. He's going to create space and tear down walls through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. Remember, seize and take possession with all the saints that have come before us. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Mary, Joseph, all of them, that we may come into that that breadth, that length, that height, that depth, that we may know the love of Christ, the four-dimensional love of Christ that surpasses what you think you know, that, another reason, you may be filled up with all fullness of God. Now, 
beautiful transitional word, now. That is all prerequisite. That is all the foundation now to him. It is, it is left up. To him it is expected. To him be the glory. Now to him who is able. If you don't have that circled, squared, highlighted, do it now. Circle it, highlight it. The pronoun he is able. Put it on a five-by-five, five, you know, whatever. What, what's the dimension of a three-by-five card? There it is. Index card, three-by-five. Put it on your dashboard. He is able, Sarah, not you. Don't think you are. Believe that he is now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power he references again the power that he mentioned in verse 16. The power, the dunamis, and I'll tell you what that means in a minute, the power of the Holy Spirit that's working within you. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, to our children and our children's children, forever and ever. Amen. Now to him. It all rests on him. It started with him. It's going to end with him. Now to him who is able. Now Paul does something very uniquely here in the Greek language. Exceeding abundantly. This phrase basically had to be created in the Greek language to try to express what it is the Holy Spirit was communicating through Paul. Exceeding abundantly. And this is kind of what this means, okay? That it is superior in every way. It is so superior, whatever it is he can do, it is so superior, there isn't even language to put around it. Exceeding doesn't cover it. Abundance doesn't cover it. you got to put both of them together, and it still comes quite short to express just what he is capable to do. Now, growing up in the church, many of us can, again, conceptually know, yeah, God is able. But you know what he also is? He's willing. You see, God doesn't just have the power and the ability to do for you. He has the desire. Our God is so good and so kind. He's not just all-powerful like a bulldozer. He has the ability and the willingness. It's both. He wants to do through you more than you can ask or imagine. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply all my needs. What does all include? Or should I say, what does all leave out? Zero. My God, not me, not my husband, not a bank account that's full of money. No, my God will supply all my needs. All my wants? No. 
all my needs, Philippians 4.19. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You know how you can be sufficient? That's 2 Corinthians 9, 8, because the very beginning of the sentence, God is able to make grace abound to you, like he said in 2 Corinthians 12. For in that he himself has suffered, he is able to aid those who are tempted, who are tried, who suffer. Hebrews 2, 8 For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I love this verse. I used to write it here on my wrist. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day, 2 Timothy 1.12. Are you persuaded he's able? You only will be persuaded that he's able When you have fully believed, he knows you, he loves you, despite what his hand does or doesn't do, he has filled you, of course, he will be able for you, in you and through you. Every preposition possible. Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you, it's the entire name he gave me for the ministry he wanted to birth out of my misery, to be honest with you not my perfection. I didn't want to do this, okay? God birthed a ministry out of me, out of my inadequacy, out of my misery, out of my deep need for him. He said, now to him who is able to establish you according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret since the world began, Christ in me. Romans 16, 25. Jude 24, 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling, he can present you faultless, without shame, without guilt, before the presence of his glory. Apart from that cross, that's impossible. But he made his love displayed through that in his ability To present us faultless is a real reality. To present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Have you ever thought about the moment that you come face to face with God? Newsflash, we are all going to die. Death is a part of life. Now, I am personally believing that Jesus is going to come back before that. We're getting close. Okay, but, but at the end of time, whether we get the gift, or maybe it's a curse, you know, to live long and longer here, but at some point, we will all come to the face, face to face with God. Now, what's beautiful about Jude is that if Christ is in you, and you are in Christ, and you have lived being known by him, and loved by him, and filled with him, guess what? He's going to present you faultless in that moment in the presence of his glory with exceeding, that's an abundant word, joy. I think there's a lot of people that think of that moment 
or maybe they don't even think of it at all. But if they think of it, they're scared to death. And he said, oh no, you come to me through that. I am able to present you faultless. And that moment will be full of joy. You can't do that. You can't be good enough. You can't work hard enough. You can't live morally enough. And frankly, flip it over, you can't be bad enough to erase what that did. His love is real. And his love and his knowledge of us lead us to this fact, this reality, this real thing that he is able to do everything he said he will do, and he's going to do it. Therefore, he is able, Hebrews 7.25, to save to the uttermost those who come to him through Jesus, since he lives ever to make intercession for them. John 10, 28 through 29, I give them eternal life that they will never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. God is greater than all. His ability surpasses all. It's exceeding abundantly. It is so far beyond superior, we don't even have a language for it. And then, of course, 1 Peter 5.10. Turn there with me. 1 Peter 5.10 is the foundational verse, if you will, of establish her. This ministry that God birthed through my misery, really. 1 Peter 5.10. It doesn't use the word able, but the entire verse is about God's ability one of my life verses, if you will. And after you have suffered for a little while, there it is, pain and love in the same sentence. It's part of life. It's part of God's design. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory, it's all about his glory, in Christ, I love these two words, will himself with no help from anybody else, especially me, will himself do four things. He's going to perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Y'all, those are architectural words. Those are solid. Those are above and beyond type reality words. And it says he himself will do it. You mamas know, you know, I'm in that throw. My daughter's three. She's potty trained now. But there is a time, maybe, I don't know, 15 months to like right before they're three where it is like, I'm, I'm doing it. Me, myself. I'm doing this myself, right? That's part of child development. But you know what's interesting? Is God, that's part of the sinful nature too. Because God wants to take that independent, I'm going to do this on my own. And he wants to rip it out of us through the rest of life. So that we say, you know what? I don't want to ever do it on my own. 
In fact, I came really close to doing it on my own in 2004 and coming this close to getting what I thought I wanted. And God's going, I am going to protect you from living life on your own because it is a bad scenario when you are in the driver's seat. And sometimes he lets you sit there for a little while and he lets you drive some roads with yourself in the driver's seat and all of a sudden it doesn't take long to go, I don't want to be in this seat. I don't want your help. I want you to do it in and through me. God, I want your presence. I want your ability to be on display. Well, then when you pray that, believe me, he will answer. And do not be shocked and surprised when he answers it with need, with feeling the weight of, oh no, I can't do this. How is he going to make the ends meet? Or how are we going to make this money? Or how? That's the moment. That's it. He's going right now. Trust me to do Ephesians 3.20 for you. Trust me. 3.20, Ephesians 3.20, he is able to do above and beyond all you can ask or think. That's the moment that some people go, you know what, I don't know if God's going to do it, so I'm going to step in. I'm going to help him. That's what Sarah did. Thank you, Hagar, right? That's, that's that whole story. I'm not sure God's going to fulfill his word. I don't know how he's going to do it. So because I don't know how he's going to do it, I'm going to step in and just do it for him. Man, we are good at that. We are dangerously good at that. You know what I pray, truly? That I would become so bad at that. God, please do not let me be good without you. Let my plans fail. You pray that. He will answer it, not to vindictively hurt you, but to show forth his ability through you. I'll never forget when God led me to one of these verses that said, the Lord frustrates the plans of his people. And I'm like, seriously, that's in the Bible. Oh my goodness. You have frustrated so many of the plans that I thought I was going to fulfill and follow through and be able to do. And he's going, yes. Because I want my ability on display for you. And Sarah, not only do I want to do it for you, I want to do more than you can ask or think. I want to blow your mind. Christian life is an adventure, y'all. It's not sitting in a pew. It is so much more radical and beautiful and risky and yet safe and adventurous. It's all those things when God's ability is front and center, not your own. So real quick... This idea of power, this dunamis word that is used in Ephesians 3 that, that really kind of encapsulates God's ability. It's where we get our word in English for dynamite. This Holy Spirit indwelling power that's working within us that, that Paul says in Ephesians 3, by faith, when we join with God and allow Him to be on display through our weakness, y'all, we experience this power, this dunamis, this dynamite, this explosion of God in and through our lives that leaves us speechless because we know that was him. This whole weekend has been the Lord. This has not been me. This has not been Julie. 
There's been an amazing team put together. There's been amazing details that had to take place, yes. But you know who's the author of all of that? Who brought you into this room, who knows you by name, who had an agenda, who's putting all this together? It is not me. It is not Julie. It is Jesus Christ. He has knitted things that we could never knit. He has dominoed, right? I've, I've coughed, often called it the divine domino, okay? He does this all the time to display his ability that we might glory in him. Josh and I, my husband and I, we pray for a life of God's stories. I want God's stories that display his ability on our behalf. And what we're really praying when we say that is, God, bring us to the edge. When if you don't show up, we're not going to make it. That's praying for the dunamis power of God. Not, you know what, let me just, let me just coast along and just, you know, have, have God's assistance every now and then. No, we want to live a life by faith, not by sight. And trusting that God wants to be able in and through us and do more than we can ask or think, which means our ability is out of the question. He's going to put us in places where we can't do it on purpose. Don't fight that. Welcome it. Because he's about to blow up. He is about to explode your view of him and your experience with him in that dunamis power. When Paul ends this prayer, he talks about God being glorified through generations, forever and ever. And as my husband and I raise our two children, they're lost. They don't know Christ yet. They know we do. We talk about it, of course, you know. But they have not made that personal decision yet to follow Jesus. And we pray that they do. But, but as we lead them and parent them, what do we want them to see? Oh, that mommy and daddy, you know, they love God and we went to church and, and they, just, they just figured out life. You know, they just, they just did everything and God just blessed it along the way. No. What we want them to see, and it's, it's a frightening thing to pray this way if you don't know the heart of God, because what we want them to see is a life of faith that says, Lord, your ability is on display, so you will put us in places where the tension is real and we're going, God, we can't make it without you. And he's going, exactly, because that's going to be the story that you tell your children. You know, in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 6, it says, talk to your children about the words of God over and over. Sit at your table, talk about him. What are we talking about? How he helped us get a parking spot at the mall? Nobody goes to the mall anymore, but you know what I'm saying. How he helped us get the Amazon sale on Prime Day. What, what are we talking about here? We, Josh and I want to be talking about stories that highlight the ability of God, which means we just know how enable we are. We need ladies to get comfortable with our inability and celebrate it, boast in it, and say, oh man, I can't, but he can. And not only will he, or not only can he, he will. 
He is able, but he is willing. His heart wants to be known by you in this powerful way. And he wants to display himself through you in a powerful way. And so as we kind of close the actual teaching time together, what I desire is that this weekend, to, to last night and today, would be a, a match, just a little flame that Jesus just flicked like this, a match to encounter him with his word, to have this experience with the living word in the written to where all of you walk out of here completely persuaded and convinced that not only am I known, am I loved, I am no longer empty, I am full, it has nothing to do with my circumstances or my history or my past, it has everything to do with God, and I am walking out of here in his ability in me. And God, I want you to be on display to get glory in and through my life. That is what this entire book is about. When you look at characters, people, they, they were real. It was all about his ability on display. From the beginning to the end. He is able. He is more than enough to save to the uttermost, but also he is more than enough and able to live now every moment of every day in and through us. That is what Christian life really is. And so Jesus, we want to praise you for the supernatural power of your word for the personal nature of it, but for the power of it, God, that can change definitions, that can shift focuses, that can transform lives. God, I am asking you to seal up in the hearts of every hearer online in this room, to seal up as the truth what you have so disseminated in these hours together. That, that we would comprehend it, God, that we would seize it and take possession of it as our own that we are known, loved, and filled with you. And out of that, we live lives that display you are able to be it all, to do it all in and through us. We give you the glory, Jesus. We elevate you, the name above all names. And we praise you for what you have done what you are doing now, what you will continue to do as we talk and as we even leave this place. In the powerful name of the living God, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm terribly sad that that is over. <laughs> Amazing. So, so very blessed. So as Sarah said, um, we have indeed not done this ourselves. And I wanted to share just something really briefly with you guys, something that happened yesterday. Just to reiterate the point that God has brought each and every one of you here on purpose for this time and this day. 
Um, we had a lady that was unable to attend named Deb, and um, they, the table brought their friend, Debbie, instead. But you guys know that we had bookmarks made for you with your names engraved in them, right? Yeah, aren't those super cool? Yeah, really cool. So anyways, my um, uh, Debbie came in and said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, again, I, I know I'm kind of the outlier in this or that. And it immediately came into my brain that our vendor had accidentally printed one extra bookmark with the name Debbie on it. And so again, I wanted you to know that because again, it just reiterates the point that she was supposed to be here. You were supposed to be here to hear this, right? So again, <laughs> amazing. So we have set aside this next portion for you guys to share, spend some quality time together reflecting, talking about everything that Sarah has brought to you through the word. So on your tables, you are going to find a sheet of paper. It says cherished at the top. They were handed out before lunch. You are, so some of your tables have designated facilitators. Okay, I know again, we teased about it last night, but I know there's a leader at every table, even if I haven't assigned one. <laughs> so your job is just to, again, just to gently guide through the conversation. If you don't finish these questions, that is okay. But again, it's meant for you guys to have deep and intimate conversation, and again, to reflect on all that's been shared.